Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Let's start, uh, Ty, if you don't mind, I'll just uh, kind of pick on you because you had mentioned it, but what was the what was the topic you guys were finding interesting as you were, as I brought you back and uh, interrupted your time? Yeah, we were, we were talking about various comp models and why people use certain comp models. Um, I, I know it can be contra- controversial in some places. I know I have a pretty controversial view on, on comp models, um, but yeah, uh, we really just started approaching that conversation. Um, Very cool. Get back. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Um, what about maybe uh, Christian? What's one thing you you kind of took out of your uh, group? Is there anything that was interesting that you guys were talking about? Yeah, we were discussing ways to keep um, stakeholders, clients engaged on EBRs when we're dealing with Zoom fatigue and um, the length of the length of these EBRs and basically ways to keep people engaged. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. Actually, I think that fits uh, kind of our first topic uh, that we have. Ashley submitted this last week, I think. Uh, maybe it's now two weeks ago. And we haven't gotten it to it yet, but kind of ways to engage decision makers, especially when the end users see value, but they struggle to convince their managers, senior leaders kind of sounds similar um, to that. So uh, let's kind of maybe start there. It sounds like uh, that was a good topic that you guys are going down, Christian. So if you have um, any thoughts and you want to open up uh, some of your discussions, just go ahead and raise your hands uh, using the participant window in the bottom right hand uh, corner. And then maybe Christian, why don't you give us uh, some, some thoughts that you guys were talking through um, specifically in regards to maybe EBRs and how you were thinking about navigating Zoom fatigue and some of those things that you mentioned. Yeah, I'd actually love to pass it over to Ashley. Um, we cut right when she was like getting her right Perfect. to she was going to make. So uh, Ashley, if you don't mind jumping in, that'd be great. Yeah, it was. I think yeah, it was mid-sentence and I lost you all. Um, <laughs> no, but I did ask this question and was a little bit different than how I imagined it, but I think we can group it all together. So well, I was, so the question about EBRs, you know, we were talking about like this length and I was saying one thing that I've found to be really engaging or like an engaging part, no matter how long or who's on the call is with um, being able to like benchmark it. Like they, they're always interested or always get some comments on, you know, well, how are we doing compared to others in our industry? How are we doing compared to your average client? You know, like, where are we? Like that gives them something tangible. You can tell them, Hey, you're doing this. This is what you've done. This is, you know, your ROI, but they are kind of like, you know, more, in my experience, have been more interested to like real comparisons. Well, is that good or is that bad? Like, how do they compare to others? That's what, um, what I was diving into there. And then part of my question also, just to kind of expand on and see if anyone has insights is maybe n- not necessarily at the like ABR, QBR, whatever kind of review you're doing, but also, you know, throughout the contract, we've run into, you know, people who are just simply not using the product that well um, basically because of restrictions their managers are putting on them. Um, The like the scenario was, you know, for us, you're supposed to run a campaign for two weeks. So the manager is saying, no, we're going to do it for two days and then make a decision. It's kind of like if you don't cook chicken to 165 degrees, if you take it out, you know, 10 minutes early, it's probably not going to be as good. That's my, (laughs) to make it cross industry. That's my analogy. Um, I cook a lot of chicken. Um, but so, yeah, so curious, like we're bringing in some data scientists and having a conversation, you know, with maybe it's a communication issue, um, but kind of curious to like how else, you know, you've engaged senior leadership, um, when you're on the same page with the end user, you have a good relationship, but you know, they're the decision maker and they're the, the, that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, back to your first point too, we're, we're doing something similar at higher logic right now. We've got, um, kind of a benchmarking score that we're using. And so we're, we have to get a couple of pieces of information from the customer to make it, I think, more relevant, like what industry are they in, what are their goals? Um, and that kind of helps us set, you know, how we can introduce and, and give them a benchmark that maybe is a little bit more dependable, but I like that. And I agree with you. I think we've seen them uh, be really interested in 
getting the comparison of like, how are we doing compared to our, you know, other uh, comps in that set. Um, and then just to kind of broaden your point, you know, on your question that you're um, kind of asking. So thinking about, you've got different layers of stakeholders. sounds like you've got really good um, buy-in maybe from your power user or your champion. Uh, but then as it moves to that next level, kind of that decision maker executive, uh, they're making some decisions that maybe aren't in line with best practices. So how do we get the executive um, and decision maker into the room to talk about these things? Uh, how do we essentially get our best practices relayed over to them? Um, and ultimately, how do we engage them on, you know, what we're trying to help them accomplish uh, and, and why, uh, I don't want to say why our, our way is better, but essentially, you know, why, why is it beneficial if they wait the two weeks? So uh, if you guys have thoughts, we'd love to dive in. So I think Jody, you had your hand raised first. What are some of your thoughts here? I should have put my hand down, I think, because I think I misunderstood the question. For me, I was going to answer the question based on decision makers of my customers, not internally, um, because we've just gone through an exercise of this, but I'll share it in case it's helpful. I just shared it uh, in my in my breakout room. Um, but we just went through this incredible exercise of developing personas so that we could um, create content that spoke to these people individually. And now we're creating sequences um, in, in SendGrid and, and HubSpot, et cetera, so that we actually talk differently to different people within the customer's organization. Um, and it's, it's really, even in this teeny tiny short time we've been doing this, it's proven to be very helpful as we talked as a group um, about how we felt decision makers, what was important to them. And then you actually see how different it is to talk to users versus decision makers. Yeah, and I think even just trying to understand um, that there's even different types of, let's say, like a decision maker, right? Even that, even understanding that there's different types of decision makers and there's different ways that you can lay out information, trying to think about how you present that, uh, developing it to those specific personas, I think is a great, um, something great that we're trying to explore right now as well. Um, Matt Vidala, looks like you have your hand raised. Yeah, so I mean, you really brought out the point, Jeff, and that's, you know, hey, you signed on with us as a decision maker, you signed on with us and you decided that we were for you. And then at some point you decided, well, I'm not hitting my target. So I think that that really presents itself as a greater opportunity to say, where are we missing? Uh, where are we missing the boat? Um, leader over at Catalyst comes up with a great point in just coming out and asking your customers at some point, Hey, you know, maybe six months prior to renewal, would you renew with us? Just plainly ask them that. I think that really presents a great opportunity for this uh, this scenario as well to just go up to your decision makers and say, hey, would you renew? Leave it just as plainly as that and then get the feedback from there. And then you could take that to your already engaged power users and then correlate those two points and say, okay, well, decision maker has complained that maybe this mark is being missed. Are they seeing the progress that's being made at the user level or is the user going in a complete different direction just based on enjoyment of the service than the decision maker is set out. And I think it's a matter of then jumping into that relationship, which I think will then yield even greater buy-in because you not only help them from a perspective of the product that you're providing them, but you've jumped into their own business and fix, and fix their own business for them. Um, and I think that that's something that, hey, if you could do it successfully, not only will they buy it, not only will they share with others, but you'll get tremendous uh, uh, trust beyond that because you fix their business for them. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree maybe about the part about thinking about surveys. Uh, I don't know if in this situation, maybe that Ashley's describing, if that's the, the best approach, I would say. I mean, one thing I was thinking about, Ashley, is, you know, making sure on your side, you've got um, some stakeholders that can come to the table as well. If we're engaging with a decision maker on their end, uh, if they're a certain title, if they're a certain part of the organization, how do we align that um, so that it's not always you having to deliver that message or your champion? Um, how do you have, you know, internal stakeholders of yours help you deliver that message? Um, I think that's something that often underutilized and underthought about, you know, um, we've got, uh, so, you know, something similar that we're trying to do here at HireLogic as well, where, uh, you know, how do we bring in the right person from the organization to, to have the message, deliver it because of their position of where they are in the company, maybe a relationship that they have with the customer. So I think thinking about how you can leverage that too um, might be a good step. Diamond, Bergeron, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here? Yeah, so for us, I'm a, in travel tech, and so we tend to see a seasonal shift in staff. Uh, and so this has become a, a larger problem, especially with COVID, um, where our power users or our champions leave the company. Um, and then we're left with no contact. So what's been really important for us is uh, developing that multi-thread. So multiple people within the organi organization and having contacts for them. And so those, you know, business owners, those, you know, managing directors, those are going to be really important to develop those relationships with. And so part of it is making sure that, you know, your user goals and your management goals may not be the same thing. So for us, it's focusing in on and finding out, hey, we spoke to this user, but we need to have your perspective and make sure your goals are heard and make sure that we're aligning ourselves with your goals. Um, so that's been really important to kind of reach out and say, hey, I know that they're really happy, but how are you feeling about it? Um, and making sure that anytime you speak to them, you're reinforcing the value that you're bringing to them and addressing their goals. Um, so having that conversation, not relying on email sequences or email contacts, picking up the phone sometimes is the best method. They're busy. Um, they don't, you know, they're, they've got tons of emails in their, in their inbox. So sometimes just having the call is, you know, the better way of going about it for us anyway. Yeah, I, lo I love the pick up the phone and try and have the right conversation. Uh, you know, I think also when you're thinking about this too, um, Ashley, just trying to make sure that you have, uh, I'm sure you've already thought about, I'm sure you're already doing this, but um, what are examples it, that you can actually pull upon that say, hey, if you run it for two days versus if you run it for two weeks, here's what we see. Here's the differences that we notice. Here's why it's important. If you wait two weeks, I'm sure you're hammering that message home, but uh, how do you get that succinctly over to your champion that they can use, um, you know, with their executive stakeholder to say, hey, we're not giving it long enough. Here's here's the reasons why. Right. Here's what we're going to see the, the net effects of us waiting too short in order for us to, to do that. Uh, I think it'd be also powerful for you to, to think about as well. Um, Corinne, looks like you've got your hand raised and then we'll um, pop on to the next question. Oh, And then Kevin Leonard, and then we'll pop on to the next question after that. Thanks, Jeff. Um, yeah, I think loved what everyone has said so far. I just wanted to quickly add, um, it made me think about the power of customer references. Um, so oftentimes a message coming from an existing customer means more. You know, it can carry more weight than coming from, from you or your project team. So there is a way I found to connect it, one of your customers with a customer in the same industry. Um, I think that's that's a really valuable way for them to tell their story of success and adoption on your product. Um, so I always tend to lean on the the network of other CSMs as well to be able to build some of those relationships um, and then be able to tell that story effectively uh, with, with the customer. I love it. I was hoping somebody would bring that one up. Um, shameless plug. We just did an awesome podcast earlier this month with Ari Hoffman, who's uh, director of customer advocacy at Coveo. And uh, he had a ton of great points that uh, brought up the same, same thing, Corinne. So I'm glad somebody uh, mentioned that because I think that's another powerful way that you could uh, also take the message off of your shoulders, right? Like, Hey, 
Um, we've seen great success when you wait two weeks. We've seen great success when you do these things. And this is why, you know, here's here, instead of taking our word for it, take it, you know, take a word from it from a, a customer. So I love that. Uh, Kevin, what do you have? And then we'll, we'll hop on to the next question. Sure thing. So um, just to piggyback uh, of what you were saying, uh, Jeff, um, when it came to um, being able to show uh, what the results would be if you ran it for two days versus uh, two weeks. Uh, another thing is to also try to uncover why it is that they're uh, underperforming on the uh, best practices. Um, understanding what are um, what are some of the hangups they have from running the uh, from running the system a lot longer. Uh, sometimes um, the biggest thing that comes to uh, mind when I think about okay, well, they're interested in using it. They're using it for two days, but they're not using it to the max that they're supposed to, there could be some hangups. Maybe they don't fully believe in your product yet. And that's part of the reason why they just wanna kind of test out the water. So they're doing it less than optimal for, uh, from what you're looking at as far as an adoption standpoint. So these are some things that you need to uh, discuss with uh, the, the senior leadership there to find out what are some of the uh, hangups that they have, the, the barriers to adoption uh, that uh, you need to uncover. Uh, so we could attack it from a uh, from a damage control uh, situation, uh, just like you were mentioning in the comments. Uh, but we would be essentially speaking to a brick wall unless we uncover some of the actual whys behind uh, the behaviors that they do. Well, that's a good point, Kevin. Trying to also identify if there are trends of other or other companies that are doing this too, right? You, leveraging it, not not leveraging the full capacity of it, um, or waiting the two weeks. See if there's a trend that you can spot, and how you can um, look at some of that targeted communication too. Um, awesome. Well, let's move on uh, to the next question. I'm looking at in Slido right now, which is um, a funny a funny prompt, but it says old old news. How do you handle it when sell when sales sells something that you can't support? Um, so. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of people chuckling right now. You know, I don't, I can't describe a scenario ever in my career when sa when sales has sold something that I can't support. So I don't know where this question might come from. Um, just kidding. But uh, if you have any thoughts, go ahead and raise your hand. But just trying to think about maybe the as a customer is getting you know over into customer success, they're coming over from the sales organization. Uh, you know, you feel like there's something that maybe was uh, was sold differently. Maybe there was some context that you don't have. Um, maybe that there's information that you think is really valuable for you to, you know, help that customer be successful. What are some of those things uh, that you're trying to address right then and there with your sales team to try and and um, and make sure you can attack that uh, kind of right at the be at the beginning uh, is maybe the way to think about that right now. So, uh, Bertel, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts? Here we go. Without the mute, it would be easier. Um, this is something I think we're facing all the time. And I was engaged with the community last week about should we uh, um, get customer success engaged with prospect, like before we close the deal. And I think that sales will always be sales. Business development will always be the business development is about closing deals for the company and sending that over to customer success or account manager. I think the main discrepancy is sales are selling product and customer success are promoting features. I'm always using the same example. You go to Home Depot, you want to redo your bathroom. The question is not which you need to drill a hole, but which diameter the hole needs to be and why this size. And I think as a customer success, is about walking away from the product and focusing on the features. Off and on, we, our BD team will sell not the right license or sell the uh, not the right product, 
But I guess when we are facing this challenge with an existing client is about going back to what has been said in the past, diving into the company overall objective. Where do you want to be at a company in the next three years? Do you want to be acquired? Do you want which revenue do you need to hit? And then focus on the team, what we call a Gartner, the mission critical cap um, capabilities, which are where the team needs to be to let the company achieving the overall, the overall pictures. And then as an individual, again, is walking away from the product they bought, but really focusing on specific features to help them as a team, and as a company to achieve those goals. I think the one, one thing I might change there, um, Bertel, in your uh, response is that I think a lot of times in customer success, we're not necessarily selling the features, we're trying to sell the outcomes. So the feature can help you achieve mm -hmm. X. Um, I think so. It's just a nomenclature thing that I might change, but uh, this feature can help you achieve X. You know, if you in institute it in the right way. Mm -hmm. But um, I like the the way you, you put that. And I think too the going back to the early part of your answer. Um, I think it's always a struggle. But how do you find the right opportunity to bring in customer success? Right. So um, at what point in the sales cycle, whether it's eighty percent close, ninety percent close, like whatever that is, how can we introduce the customer success manager? earlier in that process to help with that knowledge sharing to make sure that that can come across. So I think um, just trying to think about some of those moments we've heard um, from a lot. So um, thank you, Bertel. Uh, Natalia, it looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts? Hi. Um, so in my most recent role, I think something that they mandated there was a handover call in which the BDM and the CSM are on the call together. And I think that clarifies everything. There's no um, hidden agendas or anything like that. And also it's important for um, management to make sure that the sales are being properly done. You know, they're not, they're being sold what they need so that next year you can retain the client. Um, I think that's been most successful for me um, as a CSM. Yeah. Um, I think we've, we've seen a lot of those calls. I'd say one thing maybe too, that kind of uh, goes along with your answer as well is thinking about um, obviously you want to raise the proverbial red flag. If something seems off with a deal or something's um, you know, maybe doesn't look right, but at the same time, um, you can't necessarily just always be the squeaky wheel um, on your own. So how do you also pool what's happening across the customer success team so that you have a singular voice and it becomes uh, a little bit more impactful back to your sales team? So instead of just, you know, proverbially saying this deal isn't right, this deal isn't right, this deal isn't right. Um, how do you get some of that, you know, collective feedback as a group to say, hey, here are the three things that we're noticing. Here's, here's the trends that we're seeing. Um, I think also just partnering also on the um, fact of like, who's our ideal client profile? I think that's a question that gets overlooked a lot that um, if you can help shape that with the sales team, uh, it becomes really powerful. If you're constantly thinking about that, who are our best customers? Who are the customers we're serving? How do you get that back into sales hands so that they can be selling to the right customers and being a partner in that experience, I think is uh, another thing I've noticed too. So uh, a couple of things to think about. Um, I think it's Miko or Maiko. You can, uh, you can correct me. Miko? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. What are some of your thoughts here? Um, so hi everyone, nice to meet you meet you all. Uh, Jeff, you opened a thread uh, about a question asking, does anyone participate in a deal review process allowing approval of a good fit customer? Um, right now, the company that, I, that I'm at right now, this particular question, it's been our biggest pain point right now. And a lot of the churn that we have right now, it's because we've had bad fit customers coming into, into the company. So um, what, what we just did for that is, and I know this, this kind of thread you opened, it, it might sound a little controversial for some people, but personally, <clears throat> what we had to do was to deploy a new process, which we call the post-sales process map. And basically, um, what, we, what we're trying to address is all those pain points that stem off of having bad fit customers. 
or the ones that were overpromised or oversold, like you know, misalignment of customer expectations, execution first versus customer first, inconsistency in deliverables, limited understanding of product features versus capability, and so and so. So what we do now is that um, during the initiation of the customer, we have this new step called the enterprise readiness session where we basically approach the customer, right, and focus on aligning the business objectives, uh, all their pain points, what the project scope is going to be, the assumptions, the risk, and so on and so. And then we give homework to the customers uh, by giving them a set of, of specific trainings for them to go over them. And then once they comply with those, then we trigger the discovery process. And during that, those sessions, we do it with a product demo team that we have. And before jumping into the SOW, we, we, we go through the final list with the customer and review it together. And if something doesn't make much sense, then we just go to a second round of validation. But this is something that we do internally with pre-sales, the sales, the PM, the SA, and of course us, the CSMs. And the end, of course, we can debate and argue if they're going to be a good fit or not. But now CSMs, have, we now have the power to veto the customer in the end. So I think it's critical that especially, at least coming from my experience working at a startup right now, it is Massive. It's huge to have CSM involvement specifically because we're still kind of early stage and we cannot afford having more churn. I mean, it really has been killing us for, for, for the last two years or so. So I think it is super important that we kind of find that partnership with the other teams, especially making sure that sales are not just going out for the money grab because no matter what you do, and I think you put that also through other posts and whatnot, but CS does not, will ever, ever fix back feed customers. Yeah, thank you for uh, diving back into some of my LinkedIn history there. I think I put that post out a while ago. Yeah, sure, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, and I like. I mean, I think we're we're starting to see that more and more, right? And I think you're just trying to find the balance of when to when to have those meetings, um, who's involved, so that you can make that operation operationally efficient. But I think that they've been um, helpful as you know, we've got some that we're doing now too from our implementation side uh, as we start thinking about that. So, um, and I love the detail you provided. So thanks a lot, Miko. That was a great example. Uh, David, looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I think for us, it actually starts probably a little bit earlier in terms of being able to address that problem. And it is the right customer, but making sure that we have a proper go-to-market strategy. So which industries and which customers actually can we add value to? Because the sales team is inevitably going to sell something that we can't support, um, regardless of, you know, those, those even some of those initial kickoff calls and things like that. But if we know that it's the right industry, we know that we can create value for that type of customer, then we can use references or use cases from other customers that say, hey, yeah, let's like, we're listening. We wanna make sure that we deliver on some of the things that were promised, but let's make sure that we're providing value to you. And let's you know talk about how we can do that as examples by other customers in these similar types of industries. So you actually, I mean, if we know they're the right customer, we can get them to a point of, of uh, generating value even if it's slightly different than maybe what was promised to them. So they're no longer frustrated by the fact they were sold something that maybe isn't quite ready yet. We're listening to them and we're having them connect with product. And we're making sure it's on the roadmap while also delivering value to them as you know, shown by like use cases with other similar types of customers. So it, it gives us the tool set as long as the go-to-market strategy is aligned with the product fit. Yeah, um, I think that's a great, the coming back to that proverbial uh, kind of defining that, making sure that we're in the right scenarios um, in terms of industry use cases, uh, that we actually have that defined and what's going to be va- what's going to add value to the customer. Um, I think is something that sometimes uh, can get overlooked, especially as you get older, uh, as you as your company matures. I think that's something that often might lose focus uh, as you start expanding. So um, getting back to the forefront there. Um, awesome. We've got uh, Diamond and then we'll hit Laura and then we'll maybe move on to the next question, depending on how much time we have left. But Diamond, what are some of your thoughts here? Um, so 
I think the most important thing is yes, you know, sales is going to uh, overpromise <laughs> for sure. But I think the key to anything is finding the root cause, like what is causing this to happen repeatedly um, and getting back to sometimes the basics. So we had a lot of that as a small SaaS company. Um, and we had to go to Miko's point, you know, with, you know, the approval process, like let's, what are the red flags here? What are the orange things, things that may be a problem in the future um, and making sure that those red flag items items are addressed beforehand and uh, making sure that we're getting the right type of customer in. But further to that, I think it's also a, the engagement of that feedback loop with your CSMs to your AEs or your sales team. And if they're overpromising or there's some repeat things, it's making sure that you connect back with them to make sure that that learning happens. So those, those promises stop occurring. Um, making sure too that we developed what are called lunch and learn. So we would uh, pick a topic and we would help share with the other team and vice versa so that we're learning something about the product that maybe, you know, the knowledge gap exists between the two departments because they need to work succinctly as much as possible. Um, the other part that we were doing, we're kind of like a walk a mile in my shoes, right? Spending a couple hours and actually looking at what the other person's, you know, obstacles and challenges and what it's like to face, you know, that overpromise, the overdeliver um, scenarios um, that you're occurring. I mean, the, the biggest thing is fixing it. It's not something you have to live with entirely and just say, let, you know, it's just a part of the job. It's how do we bridge the gap? How do we stop it from happening as much as possible? And that's all about educating and making sure that knowledge exists between the two and having them work together. That's awesome. I love those examples you gave too, like lunch and learns, not with you know, just our customers, but even doing lunch and learns internally, like how do we make sure uh, and share that, you know, how do we have the, just the dialogue and, you know, we're having um, a lot of times in our part of the organization, you know, we think about customers, we have so much access to customers that I think sometimes we also lose sight of that, that we inherently are living and breathing the challenges they have, the opportunities they have, right? But when you start thinking about sales or other parts of the organization, like product or engineering, right? Like they, they inherently will get less interaction with customers. So how do we make sure and broaden that knowledge? Um, and I love the walk a day in your shoes. Um, I've been in parts, I've been in organizations before where we've had uh, like, you know, go essentially go do a day at, in support, go do a day in customer success, like go, you know, just have days where you have to go do these things. And it certainly provides a different perspective. Um, I, I, for one, uh, when going through support is, you know, one of the hardest ones I've, I've ever had to do, just trying to figure out how to answer things that I had no clue. Uh, you know, how do you go do that effectively? How do you communicate effectively? There's so much. So um, I like that example too, a lot, Diamond. And is it also not just for CSMs and AEs that comes up for management as well, right? So like taking a sales manager and sitting them with a CSM and taking a, a you know, a customer, a manager of customer success and doing the same thing. Um, you have a whole different view and then you know what, what gap your, your people are, are going to experience and where there needs to be um, that close happening. So awesome. it's been really successful for us. That's great. I love that. Um, Laura, what are some of your thoughts here? Well, it's interesting because I'm um, in a startup environment right now, and we've really experienced lately as we're getting we're launching and redone um, version of the solution, um, a lot of folks with who bought things from, I guess, reseller type organizations or something that we were using before to amp sales up, right? And so, yeah, yeah you get the sale then, but they're showing back up later as churn. And I think it's been in one of the things that I'm having to do is um, address this gracefully. And, and in the end, even though they're leaving, you're still their advocate, right? And I think sometimes we have to look at the situation and you got to own it, you know, and people appreciate that because 
who knows down the road, they may come back, there might be a fit. And if you get out of this gracefully and help them get out of it gracefully and really continue to be their advocate, even though they're churning, you win, right? And you walk away with um, integrity as a company where perhaps it didn't start with integrity. But I do think that's important um, because especially in these startup environments, you got BC behind you and they're pushing, pushing, pushing for numbers. And you can go back and point the finger at sales all day long, but by the time it gets to us and we've got to figure out, okay, what are we doing now? We have to be ready to, to own it and, and just help them move on. Yeah. I like the way you just put that. Um, I think it's, the, you know, the more that you um, kind of dig your closet on some of those things, then, uh, you know, you create a bad reputation for yourself. You don't actually invite opportunities to come back in the future. So um, I think it's a good point. Awesome. We are coming up right on time. I just threw into the chat. So we're not, uh, I have one ask or actually two asks. I lied. Two asks for you all since we're not meeting next week. One is um, go rate and review our podcast or go listen to it. Uh, I just mentioned we had a great episode with Ari. Uh, we put all of these episodes onto the podcast as well. Uh, we're trying to find new guests, trying to do things. So if you have a minute, um, I would greatly appreciate that. The second thing too, go invite one person from your network. Um, we're trying to you know, get CSM office hours growing. We're trying to make sure um, we get more diversity of voices, opinions, industries, uh, situations, anything you can think of. We're trying to get more of that into this discussion so that we can um, continue to grow there. So- um, Jeff, Dage not found. Jeff Dage not found for the uh, get one person from your network. I will- Hmm. Just worked for me, but I will, I'll send you, I'll, I'll try and look for that link again. If you guys don't get it working, shake your head. Yes or no. If you click on that link and it works and I'll try and take that. Interesting. It's working for like half, not working for the other half. Um, I'll send that out another way, but um, so go do, go do those two things in light of not having one next week. That would be um, very appreciative from our side. Uh, if you haven't yet, please go join gangrotain.com. It's open and free. You can go sign up for an account, join in on the discussion. I'm going to take some of these questions we just talked about. I'm going to go plop them right into the community. I'm going to tag people so that we can get some of the discussion going in there as well. Um, if you have ideas and ways that you want to help us with CSM office hours, if you would like to host, like I said, I'm, my hosting duties are done. Uh, I'm, I'm officially retiring uh, at the end of this episode er, of today. So you guys don't have to hear me anymore except for uh, as a participant, but um, let me know if you want to help us. We're seriously looking for people to do that all the time. I think it would be great as you guys thinking about uh, growth some skill sets in your career. So uh, just let us know. Hope you all have a great weekend. Hopefully you guys get the opportunity to go exercise your right to vote next week. Um, if there's anything that we can always do, any, if there's anything that we can do, feel free to always pre please reach out. Uh, you know my email address. You can find me on the community. You can find me on LinkedIn, anywhere. Uh, but appreciate you all spending an hour with us on Tuesday to better yourself and look forward to seeing you all here again very soon. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.